Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Merry Christmas to all of our fellow Trekkies and non-Trekkies. You may be listening to this uh, to relax your mind and body after some crazy last-minute Christmas shopping. Or perhaps the big day has come and gone and you're enjoying a little tipple as part of your celebrations. Perhaps you do not even celebrate Christmas and are just getting your weekly dose of The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. Whichever it is, thank you for hitting the download button. My name is Carl West, and this week, as with every other week, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Chris Hill. Today is a very special show, as a few weeks ago we gave our patrons the opportunity to choose what Star Trek Enterprise episode they wanted us to cover in this show and next week's one. And so, as requested by Greg Malumbi, this week we will be talking Season 1's Vox Sola. And sorry, Greg, if I pronounced your surname wrong then, I do apologise. <laughs> Uh, when choosing this episode, uh, Greg wrote, One episode I've always liked that I would love to get your guys' opinion on was Vox Sola. I think it was the first episode where the entire crew worked together to solve the problem, and it kind of reminded me of Devil in the Dark in terms of coming to an understanding towards the alien they originally thought was hostile. I also liked the water polo, got some love, even if it dates the episode. Before we jump into our discussion, Chris, how are you feeling in this festive week? Oh, pretty good. Um, probably just got done doing some last-minute shopping when when this airs, but, you know, that, that's typically <laughs> how it goes anyways. Yeah, I'm really ahead of myself. Uh, this, this year, I had presents wrapped in November, uh, most of the shopping finished in November, so uh, Christmas has been a breeze for me i'm sure something will go wrong last minute mm-hmm. haven't thought about any of the food yet for christmas day so i'll, uh, I'll worry about that <laughs> a bit closer i think to the actual of the day but uh yeah i'm all about christmas this year i feel like it's a trek themed christmas for me um and i've you know it's the first christmas where i think i can get something for katie that is star trek related and not get slapped across the face <laughs> Uh, or, or kicked in the stomach for it. So that's always a plus. Uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's always a win. That's always, always a win. Before we start the discussion, we'll do a little bit of usual business, which is please follow us on social media at nxo one podcast. That applies on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. There'll be a Patreon message later in the show for you to uh, to get the details down for that. But uh, join Patreon, and you can have. Little benefits like early access to episodes or, uh, as of this week's episode, you can choose what we talk about. Um, not all the time. <laughs> we have a little, bit of a, a little bit of a roadmap ourselves for it, but uh, the opportunity is there for things. And there's more to come in the new year when we uh, revise our tiers as well. So, Chris, Voxola. Am I pronouncing that correct? Was that, it Voxola? That's how I've pronounced it too, so... yeah. I've called it that for 19 years. I can't change now. It's Vox Sola. So this, before we get going, this was a was always a favorite of mm-hmm. mine from season one. Uh, you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it, and uh, like like Greg was saying, it did did it have a uh, double in the dark vibes. So, and you are the resident TOS fan mm-hmm. as well. Um, before we get going, maybe you should plug that show. We've never really given you a chance to plug. Plug your uh, TOS podcast on you. So give us the details, man. Yeah. Give us the deets. Um, it's it's the voyages. Uh, basically, we cover everything uh, re- that uh, involves the the original series. So that'd be the original series itself, the animated series, the Kelvin timeline, and we do even talk a bit about uh, Star Trek Continues. So you've had some special guests as well. Yes, uh, 
we've had we had uh, Larry Nemechek on to talk about uh, Dr. McCoy, and we're currently in the middle of our doing our our own book club over there, going through the Vanguard series where we've got to talk to David Mack, Dayton Ward, Kevin Delmore, and I think by the time this one drops, we'll have talked to James Swallow as well, who wrote a uh, oh wow the the Mirror Universe story for for the series. So, uh, same author who has the Star Trek Picard book. Yes, come out as well. Um, can't remember off the top of my head the name of that <laughs> the name of that book, but uh, that drops I think in December or January. Uh, so, um, go follow them on Twitter, guys. Where are you on Twitter? I do believe we're back to being the Voyages Pod. So. <laughs> What did it change? Yeah, yeah, it was it was the Voyages TOS, and then it's the the Voyages Pod now. So, <laughs> okay, okay, so <laughs> the Voyages Pod. Uh, go give them a follow, give them a listen. I enjoy listening to the show myself. I have to be careful what I listen to because I'm in the process of a of a um, TOS rewatch, if you may, yeah. um, for my new podcast show that drops uh, in a week and a bit actually uh, from when this one's releasing. Uh, for her first track, which you can follow on social media at her first track, that's on all the usual uh, culprits: mm-hmm. uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, so, uh, but I'm enjoying listening to Chris's show. So please uh, give it a listen and get in touch because Chris loves guests yeah. on that show. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nx01podcast. There you can view our subscription tiers. Some of the benefits of becoming a patron include early access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and so much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all of our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we would be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Again, visit patreon.com slash nx01podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details of this podcast episode. So let's talk Vox Sola then. The quick summary of the episode is that uh, a symbiotic alien comes aboard Enterprise and captures several of the starship's officers in its web. Hoshi struggles to communicate with the alien invader in an attempt to save the trapped officers. So that's a that's actually a really good, <laughs> really good summary yeah. of the episode. Um, so how recently have you watched it before we're having this conversation, oh. Chris? I would say probably the last time I, I really sat down and watched it was um, at 9.40 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, August 8th, 2019, <laughs> because that, that was during 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 my, my attempt to watch all of Star Trek in basically chronological order. So and how has that been going? Um, I, I haven't picked it back up in a while, but <laughs> I'll, I'll probably have to do that yeah. here here shortly. So. Yeah, I'm, uh, I decided to go with bi-weekly releases for her first track, and I realised that that now means it's going to take me about eight years, I think, to <laughs> to get through all of Trek. And in that time, they're releasing about twenty different shows as yeah. well. So I'm going to be it's going to just be a never-ending uh, cycle. Um, yeah, I watched this as I do with all episodes. I watched it um, today actually uh, before recording about. Uh, four hours before we recorded mm-hmm. even though i'm very familiar like i'm very very familiar with this episode yeah. and um but i wanted to watch it one last time and i watched it with my son for the first ever time we watched it in bed normally i read to him uh, but i asked him if he wanted to watch uh, star trek with me and he's seen all the different ones like lower decks and things like that but he was baffled that this was an enterprise without kirk on it <laughs> uh, even though he's seen some of it before but he's like uh, you know where, where's kirk and i was like he's not born yet and he's like what? Uh, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's 100 years before. My son's four years old, for anyone <laughs> curious. So he has no perception of time, really, uh, now. Although he does not he does know when he was three, apparently. Whenever he talks about anything in the past, it's always when he was three. Uh, but So then he was like, well, where's, where's Spock then? And I was like, well, no, Spock's not born yet either. He said, what? 
why are none of these people born yet? And I was like, because it's a hundred years before. Um, so yeah, I watched this with Harrison. It was quite, it was quite fun seeing like his his perspective on the episode as it went as well. You know, I was a little worried he's going to get nightmares. Yeah. Uh, because of the alien in it, so I was thinking I'm going to get in trouble with uh, with his mum. But it ends it ends well enough that uh, he was he was it was like he was talking about a a puppy returning to its like its mum or something <laughs> at the end so he was in a good mood about the whole thing so uh, we're going to do what we did with our cold front review a couple of weeks ago where we rather than summarizing the whole episode up front we're just going to sort of go through it uh, in the order that the episode ran really and sort of get uh, your thoughts Chris and my thoughts on on the episode as it goes and um, so if hopefully you've all watched it recently uh, if not then I'm sure we'll try and do a good enough job of describing the events of the show. If you've never seen this episode, but plan to, you can still listen, but please do not blame us if we spoil everything <laughs> in it for you. And please be aware that our shows do carry spoilers for the entire run of Enterprise and beyond in the books sometimes. So uh, please please keep that in mind when listening to the show, because we are... Uh, we do acknowledge the fact that the show finished 15 years ago. Yes, yes. <laughs> at the time of, uh, of doing this. So uh, the show opens uh, in the middle of almost a disastrous first contact. Mm-hmm. First contact, sorry, with the Kratassans, who we discussed uh, about a month and a half ago, I think. Yeah. Two months ago uh, in A Night in Sick Bay. So we are definitely not following things in a chronological order on here. Uh, the Kratassans are incredibly pissed off with the Enterprise crew. Um, Hoshi can't work out what it is they're actually complaining about because she's not been able to translate their language yet. Uh, the main Kratassan, whose name escapes me currently, but is played by the uh, same actor who played Admiral... Oh, God. Forrest. Admiral Forrest. I was about to say Vaughn, but it's, <laughs> his, his, his <laughs> it's Vaughn Armstrong's yeah, name. his real name is Vaughn. <laughs> Yeah, so I really confused myself there. <laughs> I was absolutely uh, Admiral Forrest. Uh, so uh, this has gone horrible. The aliens go onto their ship. Uh, Archer, you know, this is season one Archer, so a, a bad first contact, a disaster for mm-hmm. him. And he takes it personally. Uh, the Kratassans leave, and we see on the outside of the ship this weird white uh, web-like alien sort of crawl into the ship just as the doors close. Mm-hmm. Um, on the uh, on the docking port, so uh, that's the end of the teaser, and we know that danger is ahead. Yeah. So one of the again a teaser that was setting up what was going on in the show because mm-hmm. we've said before that you know season one and two didn't always really give us the most relevant of teasers. They never really teased. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't always do their job. I mean, when you're a fan of the show, you don't care. You're happy to see scenes and some casual chats with with the, the crew of characters. But it is obviously the whole point is to make people want to stick around past the opening credits. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is this an effective teaser for you? Yeah, I think so. Um, especially you know, seeing that Hoshi still needs to get her Universal Translator working. Um. And especially there, you know, right before we we go to our our favoriteest of of theme songs, we see we see yeah. we see Slimer as I as I I've I've named him go into the Slimer. Yes, okay. Kind of kind of become a stowaway. So, what did you think was? We'll call it. I'll call him Slimer as well. Then. So, what did you think Slimer was at first? Did you think? it's a threat immediately I, or what, what do you think was going on when I first watched it? Um, I would say, yeah, he, it seemed like it was going to be some, some kind of a threat that that was going to over, overtake the, the ship entirely and just really run amok. So yeah, they, they could have gone that route as well, I guess, actually mm-hmm. uh, of, of taking over the ship completely. I think there's a lot going on in this teaser that makes it an enterprise story. Uh, you've already mentioned Hoshi struggling with the translation. We couldn't have got that on any of the other track shows that have been produced to date. Uh, it being a first contact mission uh, as well. Uh, I know we get that on the other shows, but you know this is uh, literally the first time this species have been on the show. And the fact they had to uh, go, they couldn't beam onto their ship. You know, they had to go through the, the, the docking airlocks, ports yeah. or whatever you want to call them, airlocks. That's the one, airlocks uh, onto the ship. 
just all very Enterprise-like. And I always loved when Enterprise did things that the other shows couldn't do or didn't or shouldn't do really because yeah. everyone's got a transporter in the 24th century you know and, and so they should just beam off and things like that so i really enjoyed that we came in just as shit was hitting the fan mm-hmm. already um, and then you find out that that's not even what the issue is with the episode yeah <laughs> it's going to be this it's going to be slimer making his his way or her way um or its way into into the ship so that's the teaser we hit our opening credits uh, which my son sang. It was very <laughs> cute, actually. Uh, he He's familiar with the song because he's heard it on in the background so many times when he's been doing his own stuff. And I've been watching Enterprise, but uh, I didn't start singing it myself this time. And I just saw him, he started doing this thing with his hands as if he was trying to find the beat. <laughs> and then he started singing along the words. And I, I was like, oh, this is great. So I sung it along with him. Um, so it was a good sing-along. I think, dude, the next generation of, no pun intended, <laughs> the next generation of Trek fans who... Uh, are born now mm-hmm. are gonna love the theme oh, song yeah. for Enterprise. They haven't got this like pre-existing um, like love for just having orchestral music and themes. Like I think they'll just like my kids. It's like a it's like a theme song of my family, man. Yeah, my daughter sings it. <laughs> she's two years old, uh, with albeit with a bad pronunciation. But um, so yeah, Act One. Obviously, Hoshi is a bit depressed mm-hmm. about. Um, how it went trying to translate the language Hoshi you know at this point in the show still takes it quite personally whenever it goes uh, wrong T'Pol obviously does not help with this I think Hoshi's overly sensitive to T'Pol uh, which I mean this is a good throwback to uh, to uh, Broken Bow yeah and um, Flight or Fight yeah as well from, uh, from at the second episode of the show uh, first standalone one where Hoshi really felt that T'Pol was, uh, didn't think she belonged. And so Hoshi takes T'Pol's comments to, um, takes them as being critical of her and blaming her for it. But I think, you know, T'Pol, I believe, says it could have been anything that did it. Yeah. It could have been, could have been, uh, trips, um, table manners, things like that. So, I mean, it turns out actually that it was everybody's. T'Pol wasn't too far off. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. She wasn't too table far manners. off. <laughs> um, so the um, Tucker obviously enters the bridge. First thing he asks, you know, is you know, he says, "Is he in his ready room?" Or uh, talking about Archer, and Trip goes in there, and Archer isn't quite as depressed as you might think he's going to be, or angry. He's just kind of, uh, I guess, he's just thrown himself into his work. Um, but Trip knows how to cheer him up. He's uh, got some water polo finals mm-hmm. on. Um, on dated chip or whatever they call it in Star Trek at this point, and uh, he convinces Archer to watch it. I think we knew Archer was a water polo fan already, yeah. didn't we? It had been brought uh, up a couple times. So yeah, yeah, and uh, this I think was the first time I would ever see water polo. Actually, yeah, I don't think I had a clue what it was, and so um, I'm still not 100 percent sure now. Actually, 20 years later, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they agreed to do that. There's also going to be movie night. In the um, uh, for the rest of the crew, so uh, Travis has persuaded Reed that um, he's going to go and uh, to go and watch that with him, which does lead to a, um, a funny scene later, which we'll get to in a moment. But uh, we cut to Porthos in Archer's quarters, who immediately knows something's mm-hmm. wrong. Um, turns out Slimer is crawling through the uh, the ducts above the quarters. And uh, this is our reminder that there is an alien threat on the ship that the crew are unaware of. Um, do you think it would have been detected on later? Tracks? I think so. Yeah, like, because their the the internal sensors would have been more sensitive and able yeah, to pick yeah, it up. You would have thought, yeah, you would have thought like an unknown life form would have flagged up. Um, well, you maybe think that would happen more on this when there's only two ali- other aliens on the ship. Yeah. But, yeah. Whatever. And. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they're in the mess hall. Um, Travis and uh, Reed. Oh, sorry, this is when it's convincing Reed to come uh-huh. and see the film. Sorry, but Travis and Reed are eating food, and uh, there's a great cut on this actually because the shot starts on the food, uh, the, on the dish of Travis's food, and pans up to Travis eating, and then sort of I think um, I think we pan out then, um, which is it's an odd shot, but when you remember that the reason the Kratassans, uh why they're so offended 
it's actually when you go back and watch it you realize that the episode is showing us yeah straight away it's the most it's just an, it's an odd choice of um camera movement and shot for the show so i think it was deliberate mm-hmm. i think it was done deliberately to do with um the sort of manners of their food um so yeah Reed agrees he's going to watch this film and then Hoshi is not going to go though she's feeling pretty um down about the whole thing and and she's picked up um, something in the in the comms that she can kind of tell something might something's off even though nothing's really registering it when when she does the tests and diagnostics and stuff so yeah and she as she's leaving she actually can kind of hear that Slimer's moving through um through the uh, the interior of the, of the walls um around her so uh, she dismisses the sound and and walks away so Hoshi has good good hearing guys yeah. um so we see uh, Rostov uh this was not Rostov's first appearance i don't think was no. it or was it there's several appearances and i can't remember if this was his first one um but uh, Rostov's in engineering with uh, Kelly and they're working uh, the the midday shift. Uh, Rostov uh, wants to go to the film, though. But Kelly says, you know, go get some work done. A little bit of flirting, I thought, going on yeah, here, Chris. Yeah. Do, we, do we think there was a bit of sexual tension um, going on? Maybe, um, maybe a bit of, of, of can mutual... Watch it in his quarters, anyway. Yeah, maybe a bit of mutual interest there, so... Yeah. <laughs> Um, she does suggest that he can watch it in his own quarters, but he says it's not the same. Um, so uh, Kelly laughs, sends him off for work. Uh, Rostov um, is going to, unfortunately, land himself in trouble as a yeah. result of this, but we'll come to that in a second. Uh, in the captain's private mess, uh, Tucker and Archer are watching the uh, water polo match mm-hmm. uh, whilst uh, having uh, some beer and some pretzels. Uh, this always makes me think of that scene in The Expanse, which would come like a year later, but when they were sitting having their uh, their drink when talking about what they're going to do when they get into The Expanse. I think Archer's yeah. even wearing the same the same top, possibly. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're watching the water polo. I'm amazed that Tucker gave up the opportunity for movie night, actually. Yeah. Um, maybe, but, uh, uh, I mean, maybe French films weren't, weren't his thing. And he, he was more into the to the the sci-fi end of stuff maybe <laughs> uh, so were you always a fan of seeing like tucker and archer off duty just being friends yeah i i really did enjoy that because it, it kind of seems like it'd be sort of sort of the thing that that uh that he would need or that the archer would need since you know his his first officer you know was not human and not a guy <laughs> he needed he needed some bro time yeah, I think Trip was good at understanding that with Archer, and I can't remember how much we'd seen that before this point on the show. But obviously, in season two, we see first flight and things like that, so we get a real idea of uh, what these guys were like off duty with each other, and sort of how far back the friendship goes. So this was cool. I did like that Tucker didn't know anything about um, about water polo, yeah. but he gives enough of a hint that he's seen the end of this game. Uh, when uh, an archer asks Tucker if he's seen the whole transmission uh, because it's possible that Tucker's just spoiled uh, the result <laughs> but uh, Tucker um, suggests that he has not um, well says he hasn't but suggests right. that he has I think is the correct way to um, to put it so Rostov obviously um, at this point is oh god hang on one sec Chris sorry man. Right. I'm trying to read this as I'm going and this um has Rostov got sucked up yet? Okay. Yeah, I guess they're getting ready to be. Sorry. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the mess hall, um, the film's there, and I think Reed and Travis are eating popcorn, which yeah. makes me gives me a craving. I haven't had popcorn in forever. It feels like because of because uh, of lockdown. And uh, so uh, they're waiting for the film to start, and instead of I mean this this cracks me up. Mm-hmm. Instead of the film coming on the screen, uh, we see flocks in sick bay. And I wish they'd had flocks doing something really weird. Like, like you know, like, cle- cleaning if... his tongue or clipping his toenails. Yeah, well, kind of like in Night to... Sick Bay. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, clipping his toenails would have been great here. Uh, they cut to, the, I think, the bridge. And so Malcolm calls up and says, never in a bit of tech difficulties, can they get it fixed? And uh, so that's getting sorted. Rostov 
He's gone off to do the jobs he was asked to do. And uh, unfortunately, when he's in the cargo bay, uh, he comes into contact with uh, Slimer. Or at least he, uh, yeah, he sees the webs, doesn't he? And then he activates his communicator, but he never gets a word out. Before Slimer grabs so Kelly him. does hear it, though. Yeah. Um, so they uh, basically, Kelly ends up in the cargo bay and um, she sees the web in herself and Rostov um, stuck in it. She calls Archer mm-hmm. and then tells him that there is a strange creature in the cargo bay. Yep, and before before she can get out much more, she's caught up in it as well. Absolutely. And, I mean, do we think that... Was it an interesting choice that she called Archer? Why didn't she call security? Um, Wouldn't you call security? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think probably she probably should have. But I think she also kind of was like, hey, this is kind of a strange new thing. Like maybe a first contact something and uh, the captain should probably know about it. I think that even though even though that they are a Starfleet vessel, you know, they are ultimately the first true Starfleet ship out there with like I guess a full crew big ship. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to allow for the fact that they may be told what to do in such situations, but truth be told that when you come to seeing one of your crew stuck in a an alien web of some sort, you're probably just going to call the first person that comes to yeah. mind. And it's going to be the captain. Archer had been shown to be a very uh, friendly with his crew and such, so I think the first thought would be to go to Archer. I think had this been a 24th century trek, it would have been a security team called straight away. Uh, but, um, but no, I kind of liked it as well because it showed this change in Archer when he was like laughing about the game to suddenly realizing what she's saying over the comm and he walks back to it and like he wants details and then yeah he, uh, he heads off and that's it then that's a uh, fun time over which lasted for a while though no like yeah. the episode f- gave us some casual time with the crew for quite a while which is that something you enjoyed about the first two seasons which wasn't there in season three and four yeah I, I did enjoy how we we spent time you know sort of more getting getting another crew more than just you know passing scene every other episode so uh archer and um trip and reed and i think an unnamed security officer yeah. i could be wrong on that uh they go into the cargo bay they obviously see straight away that kelly and rostov are uh, trapped up on this this web this uh, doesn't go too well no. uh, and uh it, they they're armed with weapons and such, uh, but they um, I think Rostov tells them to get out uh, to get out there quickly. Yeah. Um, but it it doesn't happen quick enough. Archer. It's funny. It's funny watching Archer get caught first <coughs> because normally the captain has these superpowers on the mm-hmm. show, which means that they're like the last one to always be affected. Uh, but Archer's getting caught by tentacles first, and uh, Trip, the true hero. Uh, jumps and grabs onto his hands, but it does nothing. Yeah. So Trip gets pulled with him. So uh, both both of them get pulled up into the alien, and uh, Trip obviously is given the command to Reed to get out of there, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, must must have eaten Reed up inside now, because he particularly season one they used to drum home the fact that Reed would uh, happily die uh, yeah. <laughs> for his captain. Um, and the unnamed security officer with them um i mean <laughs> what a useless crew officer tries to run away when he sees a tentacle coming for him gets pulled down off the ladder yeah we don't really see anything with him though do we No, after? but we know he's still in there right. so yeah yeah um so he was a bit useless reed does run away some great facial uh acting from mm-hmm. <laughs> from dominic keaton and uh, when he gets out of the door he tries to slam it shut the Tentacles or tendrils, I don't Tendril. know what you'd call them. Yeah, tendrils are um, sneaking through the door. Reed manages to close it, though, and he cuts off a part of the the alien, which my son thought was brilliant because <laughs> he, he saw that as uh, they were starting to damage it. They were starting to hurt it. So um, this obviously plays into things later on in the episode with um, uh, Phlox doing uh, checks on it. Uh, before we see that, though, uh, on the bridge... Reed, T'Pol, and Hoshi 
uh, are assessing the situation in the situation room. Uh, they've got um, different opinions on how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, Flocks uh, Flocks suggests we see him on the um, on the monitors doing some tests on it. Uh, he thinks it's sensitive to EM red- radiation. Uh, Hoshi thinks there's a way to um, to communicate with it. Yeah, uh, that it's, um, it's it's making sounds of some sort that look like math equations that could be a language. And um, however, Reed really just as soon as he's here that's sensitive to EM radiation, and Reed being the security guy, he wants to take a tactical approach to the situation, and Hoshi wants to obviously take the more Star Trek approach, yes, yes. <laughs> maybe of communicating. And to Paul. Perhaps just because he thinks time's running out and because it's the captain actually uh, sides with Reed in this instance, which I don't know if T'Pol would always do that. I mean, right. what would you do in that situation that, then, Chris? So you got the choice. Yeah. You can Hoshi, who we've had doubt already thrown in our minds that she can uh, crack this language because of the Kratasan thing. And even Reed says, you know, these aren't verbs and nouns. This could take you days to work out this completely different language so uh do you do you go with hoshi or do you go with reed who because you ultimately your captain is being held captive by a creature you've never seen before um i think when i watched it last year i would have gone more with the reed approach but when i watched it today i was sort of like you know let's let's try the hoshi approach first so are you it means you're growing as a as a person, yeah. man, <laughs> I would have, I would have gone with, with Reed's solution because for me, I just think like, the the captain's in there, mm. the chief engineer's in there. There are some like high level officers there, but yeah, I think you'd have to do that in that situation. You just go in, guns are guns are blazing, and uh, and get it sorted. But I could I could see merit to Hoshi's point as yeah. well. If I think if if I didn't think there was a time issue in regards to the safety of the captain and that, I think I would be leading with Hoshi, and I would tell Malcolm just to work on it. That's the backup plan, yeah. you know. And I'd go with Hoshi. But I think as soon as you hear that, uh, you know, the clock's ticking potentially. I, th- I think that she was right to to go with Reed, and I do just love it when Reed's all about blowing things up which uh, is a good joke about that actually in the start of the episode when mm-hmm. Travis says that Reed would enjoy the film because things blow up so uh, I do love season one season one Malcolm uh, so in the cargo bay um, we see Archer and uh, Tucker wake up Rostov's there as well uh, Kelly and the security guy are, uh, are not conscious um, oh my internet connection's unstable Okay, can you still hear me there? Yeah, yeah, you're you're good now. Okay, cool. All right, sweet. Um, Yeah, sorry. Uh, Meanwhile, in the cargo bay, Archer, Tucker, and Rostov uh, are conscious, uh, whilst sort of trapped within the creature, and uh, Kelly is not, but is breathing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rostov just is asking if the film is going to get moved, (laughs) rather, because he doesn't want to miss it. Yeah. Uh, Archer tells him he'll he'll see what he can do uh, to show it again. Uh, we don't know if necessarily if the film did get shown, though, do we? No. Because of uh, we, the, the tech difficulties. It's just one of those where we have to presume that it was, you know, either, either the yeah. next day or, or, you know, <laughs> that next week, so. But, I mean, what happens if you're in a situation like that, alien creature on the ship? Um, I guess you would probably stop moving out anyway, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. But when, when it's got the captain, wouldn't it be like, right, cancel everything, even if, you're off duty right now. You need to come on duty yeah. because uh, the captain of the ship has been taken hostage, uh, basically. Well, I guess hostage, yeah, taken hostage, yeah. And so, I, I would imagine Rostov's okay, and he probably got to watch the film uh, the next day or two with everyone else. Um, uh, Reed at this point enters with a couple of security officers uh, armed with some EM emitters, and uh, on to Paul's uh, order. Um, uh, they start to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, Flox notes it is working. However, it does start to hurt uh, Trip, Archer. I mean, Rostov 
sounds like he's literally having his legs like sawn yeah. off his body. <laughs> uh, really, really painful um, for Rostov in particular. Good acting uh, from the actor there. Uh, so when Flox realizes that it's causing pain to to the crew, uh, he orders the EM emitters shut off, and uh, he's realized that the uh, the crew must be linked together within the alien, um, so they can feel whatever pain it feels. Uh, so this then, uh, T'Pol sees that there isn't any other option for them. Uh, Malcolm's going to have to back off, and Hoshi now has limited time to learn how to communicate with the creature. And then, at this point, we find out, Chris, that uh, from Reed, that Starfleet have been working on creating stable force fields yeah. for a number of years, and uh, Reed believes he can build a few for use in the cargo bay. So T'Pol tells him to go on it. So suddenly you're like, oh my God, we're getting the origins of the force field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, do you live for those moments in Enterprise mm-hmm. where they just where, suddenly name drop a piece of text? Yeah, yeah, where we, get, <clears throat> where we get something that we're all familiar with, but this is the first time it's going to be put into use. And I like that Reed was, is now going to be historically associated with the force field because mm-hmm. i guess the the point he's made there is that starfleet haven't successfully created a stable force field so i imagine that that changed after this although now it's making me question actually why they weren't more prepared <laughs> more of them in, in yeah why didn't they appear more after that so after reed did create the stable one why did their brig that got introduced in season three have doors instead of force fields. Probably because it would have taken an entire overhaul. That's true. But they could have done it from season four when the ship did have a... Yeah. uh, ...a refit. Hmm. Oh, I wish I hadn't thought about that. That's annoying. I guess you could say that you had to go back to the testing stage and maybe Reed's design wasn't reliable as a long-term thing. Or maybe the Enterprise just doesn't have the power supply to be able to potentially keep a force field running for like a year if you've got a prisoner or something yeah like yeah that. We'll, we'll say it's because of the warp five engine once they get to the warp six engine it'll be good to go <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh head cannons there we go there we go um so yeah we're moving to act four uh so hoshi bless her has uh, not been given much time to learn this language and she is having a difficult time with it um Rest of the crew obviously dealing with the situation themselves. Uh, Mayweather is the only senior officer on the bridge. Uh, literally, he looks to be like the only one there. Uh, <laughs> and the ship receives a hail. It's the Kratasian captain uh, who is speaking English. Yeah. Um, now, noting it was not hard to learn. So another <laughs> another real kick in the nuts <laughs> for, uh, for Hoshi, um, who was struggling with his language. Um Mayweather talks to uh, to the Kratasian captain, and this is where we find out why uh, the first contact went so wrong, mm-hmm. which was that the Kratasian captain was disgusted to see the crew members eating in public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they it turns out it they treat it the same as mating. Yeah, on their planet, so to to eat in front of someone <coughs> is to. I guess is to have sex in front of someone, yeah. uh, masturbate in front of someone, and all the things that you would potentially go to jail for uh, <laughs> in 21st century Earth. Yeah. Uh, the Katassans uh, treat eating food in front of people like that. And do you know what? I can't really eat in front of people. <laughs> really. Uh, like, not as in I don't want to watch other people right. eat, but I just feel, don't like, a lot little, of people, a lot of us get conscious, yeah, self-conscious, self-conscious, don't we? Yeah, about it, yeah chewing or getting food on like you know you've got a beard i've got a beard ending up with something in the in our beard when we're eating so um sometimes it's always on my mustache actually yeah. i have the problem with and so, so with sometimes fame. feeding our clothes you know yeah 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 i used to have a fr- i used to have a friend who uh who no matter what she did always ended up with something on her chest <laughs> 
Um, she used to she used to always joke about it. Like if she's drinking a drink or eating food, she's she'd be like, "Oh, I got it on my boobs again." And every time, every single time, uh, he's thinking like, "Maybe maybe I should get you like a a, a bib." Yeah, it's <laughs> like using a bib all the time. Uh, so yeah, so the Cretassians were really offended by that, and we'll find out that the Cretassians are just generally easy to offend mm-hmm. throughout the rest of Enterprise. But um, and we've seen the Cretassians in Lower Decks as well. Yeah. So they uh, they also do join the federation or at least still you know, around yeah. yeah as time goes by and so travis apologizes for this and uh, the captain accepts it and then travis asks if they've seen the creature before uh the chassis captain has and lets him know where the home world is so how do you find this whole thing the, the revelation of what the I, issue was things like that i, I that had a feeling i had in? a feeling once once they they explain I kind of got the, the, the hints there when, when Hoshi brought up, oh, hey, the word for eating is similar to the word for mating. And so that... Oh, I didn't even get that, Chris. Yeah, because she she, she had mentioned, that. you know, the emphasis or different emphasis on the word changed it from eating to mating. And that was how, how subtle it wow. was. Do you know, I've watched that this episode... Probably close to ten times, if not mm-hmm. if not more, over the over the the years, I have never picked up on that ever. <laughs> I thought I was smart picking up on the camera on the food yeah. uh, earlier, but no, you're saying it was literally dropped there in the in the first scene. That's brilliant. How quickly did you notice that? It, was that I, on the first? Actually, period? no. I I I just it just came came to mind as we were talking about it now from when I watched it earlier today. So oh wow wow. I'd be curious to anyone listening to the show, you know, tell us if you picked up on that little nugget before. That's um, that's blown my mind, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing you say that, God, I mean, this is a really smart mm-hmm. episode. I think the way the way stuff is sort of seeded, seeded throughout. Like I guess um, I do. I do so, have one, one comment before Travis talks to to uh, the Cretacean captain when Reed and Flocks are kind of talking in sick bay because Reed was wanting to oh, to see how yes, yeah. how much how much of a jolt the thing could take um flox you know was having none of reed's shenanigans and and did his his own version of the chair outranks the badge like like what pike did to ash in season two of discovery yeah sorry i completely missed that bit yeah so when uh reed is yeah as you said trying to work out what um frequency he needs for the force field and such uh or the em pulse whatever he's uh, wants to do tests on the the tendril um when flox because Flox immediately suspects that Reed is is doing checks for, I guess, for reasons that would cause harm and pain, mm-hmm. and so he's he's so suspicious when he, when he says, you know, what for, and yeah, like you said, he won't allow it basically, and he says the only person who can uh, who's going to make him let that happen is the captain. Yeah, ask him, and Reed's like, you know, you know, the captain can't uh, can't can't tell us, and uh, Flox is like, well, there you go. So yeah. the boss. Although, would that actually apply? Would T'Pol not have? Would T'Pol not be? Well, she's she's in charge at this point yeah. now. Yeah. But it's a nice scene. It was nice to see uh, the the medical guy coming up against the against the tactical guy. Mm-hmm. I thought. Uh, good, good memory there. I'm reading off uh, off memory alpha as we go in, and I feel like I either missed that completely, <laughs> or it's or it's not listed, but. Um, yeah, so Travis saving the day almost. Yeah. By the apologizing to the Cretassian Captain, do you think do you think Travis was like shit in his pants when he looked around and realized he was the only one uh, there who could <laughs> who could a little deal bit with it was like it was like one of those, oh shit, I gotta do deal with this. But but he came through <laughs> and, and he proves that he would he would make a great captain in the future. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. He definitely does, to be fair to him. And yeah, he does come through. So um Hoshi at this point is has kind of figured out how to crack the language with 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 Depaul's help. Yeah, due to Depaul's help, uh, enters the cargo bay with Reed, Depaul, uh, Flox. Uh, Sato begins to um, tell. Well, they set up the force field, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, they have to adjust the frequency uh, first, but then it does hold. And uh, I should say as well at this point, early in the episode. Archer and Trip and all of them have realised that they they are connected yeah. as well with their minds, so they know what each other's thinking and, and things like and, that. And it starts so, with 
with Trip saying the reason why the, the, the Texas goalie couldn't do anything was because he was, uh, I think, like, uh, having his right right side uh, too far back or something like that. And that, that, yeah, that's how they figured it out. Yeah, knowing that you wouldn't know that because they'd established earlier that you didn't know anything uh, about the game. Uh, so Hoshi starts to uh, speak to the uh, to the creature. Uh, the creature eventually they crack it, and she asks another creature to, to let crew members go. Um, it then tells uh, Hoshi exactly where it needs to go on its home world, and then it uh, releases uh, releases the, the crew: Rostov, Kelly, security officer, Tucker, and Archer, uh, and then. We come to well. Just before we go to that last scene, I mean, this whole scene. Did this? This is Star Trek, yeah. Because you're 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 communicating with with what you thought was gonna or what you thought was a, a threat, but it turns out that it's just trying to get back home. Yeah, and there's okay. We saw some phaser shots and such earlier in the episode, but this is a non-violent conclusion to the episode, yeah. and it wasn't. It's kind of weird how the episode works. It has the action, I guess, and stuff in like the middle, interspersed mm-hmm. like the middle part of the show. But there's no, there's nothing in like the last eight to ten minutes which has any sort of escalated level of uh, of action in it. So uh, I like, I liked it, and I liked it. It was a big moment for Hoshi yeah. as well. To, to it becomes almost. A Hoshi and Reed episode, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. When you look but at it. everybody has something to do. So Yeah, every everyone. Yeah. Flox has quite a lot to do, which wasn't always always the case. He got his perspective in there. Travis has his moment on the bridge. We had the it's incredible actually. Like this was a very well written episode before we finish yeah. it. But you know, it was it got everyone in there and it showed that the show didn't have to be focused on two or three people all the time you could do a 42 minute episode with, with everybody with everyone getting yeah um so following this um the crew are saved obviously we then go to a lovely little scene mm-hmm. which i bet i bet there was some discussions about cutting this for budget at some point um because he didn't need this scene no. coming up but and it would have been expensive but it was a lovely scene my son loved this mm-hmm. uh when um, Reed, Flocks, Hoshi, and T'Pol have gone down to the, um, the creature's home world uh, using the shuttle pod, and they release it back to its people, but we kind of realise that it's, whilst it's its people, they're also one one thing, giant yeah. mind, yeah, one one thing, and so it's kind of rejoining the collective. Yeah, if you'll uh, pardon my, uh, my my reference there, so. Uh, the uh, and that's it, and then we revealed as we we uh, watch the sh- I think we pan out as the shuttle pod leaves. I think, and then we see that uh, the whole planet almost is covered yeah. with this this creature, and it's such a interesting alien idea that I don't think we often get on Trek because Trek doesn't always approach alien life as being truly alien and extraterrestrial. It often approaches it with. More... The idea of being humanoid yeah. and and very and people are uh, the, the a lot of the alien species are similar to us either how we are now or how we were then or you know it's they, yeah. they're based off traits that we have ourselves exactly. as humans but amplified in certain ways so to see to see this I thought it was great something that Discovery does I think quite well now with with alien life as well mm-hmm. and so that's the end of the episode and a nice sweet ending as. As we said earlier, you know, we find out that the the creature wasn't trying to uh, to hurt anyone, really. It was it's just needing a friend. trying to get home. Yeah, I mean, uh, what do you think, before we get into some other questions, what do you think of the of the episode then, Chris? I, you said earlier it was a, a favourite of yours. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it the first time. I still enjoy it now. In fact, I could probably watch this watch, watch it again after, after we get quit, get done talking about it. So, And do you know why I think that is? I think it's because... There's so much going on in this episode that is just about character interaction off duty. Yeah. I think that, and there's lots to enjoy in those moments. I think Enterprise did those moments really well because because this cast of characters was so close to us mm-hmm. with uh, how they, what they're interested in, how they relate to each other. And I think that it makes it more enjoyable to 
to watch. And yeah, like you said, I, I could probably watch this again just for those scenes because it the alien plot line, although it was a driving force of the plot, it, it still kind of felt like it was a background yeah. issue. You know, it was it was just a, a little threat they had to deal with. Um, but yeah, it didn't feel like it was life or death um, or, you know, yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't the Zindi coming I and attacking sense. Florida. <laughs> yeah, and I got the sense of urgency to it. You know, I understood that they needed to get stuff done quick, but I just, I just like that it took its time, and nothing in this episode felt rushed. No, at all. And it's funny that I've watched this episode so often. When I used to have the VHSs, I think I did watch this. Episode. I can't remember what episode would have been on the VHS with this one, but I know I watched this one quite a lot, and the. It's funny because it it does also get forgotten about. Yeah. Like when you when you talk about the standalones of Enterprise, I think you kind of forget about Fox Holler. And when this episode was suggested by Greg, it was like, oh yeah, no brainer. How haven't we done that one yet? Because we've yeah. been hitting loads of the standalones. Like how haven't we done Vox Holler? So the I guess the um one of the first questions I'll I'll put to you is how do we think that creature got onto the outside of the Cretacean ship? Oh, did they establish that the Cretacians must have recently gone to? Yeah, the, they they did the planet. I think I think they it was it was at least implied that they'd recently been there. Yeah. So they would they would know the okay. coordinates pretty close pretty close off. And what's your um, what's your impression of the Cretacians as a whole? They they just need to lighten up, really, they, <laughs> and understand they are very and, and understand that not everybody's going to know every detail of their society when they first meet them yeah for a species that are out there in the uh, in space it does seem incredible that they are very naive mm. in regards to um how their cultural beliefs and such may be interpreted by others or how the other people may not fit with their own beliefs it does seem because they're quite spiritual people yeah. we see that in um season two with the um a night, si- sort of, a night in sick bay. Yeah, a night in sick bay with the thing that Archer has to do, like the to do, yeah, uh, to... for the tree that got cut down, uh, got got weed on. Sorry, that uh, Archer had to cut apart. And so you think a spiritual species like that would be more self-aware, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, but I think maybe we see that on our planet, though. I think that you know some people have their beliefs. I mean, my my career means I have to be careful about. My language that I use, um, swearing and things, um, if everyone, not that I would when I'm teaching, but you know, I, there's certain words which I don't consider uh, profanity at all anymore, but are still considered blasphemy to religious people. Yeah. And so I have to be very careful with what I say, you know, because I don't, I don't want to offend. But uh, I guess this is like a a sign that in the future, in Star Trek, they know everything about the races. They have an idea of what customs they have to follow. Uh, I think to when uh, when Picard's wearing that thing on his head in Insurrection, <laughs> um, like following you know, these local customs and things. So I guess that there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot in this episode which makes it an Enterprise story mm-hmm. specifically because they're just not prepared for They're just out there meeting people. And, uh, I like the makeup on the Cretassians though. I think they look really cool. And uh, yeah, seeing them in, in Enterprise, and sorry, Seeing them in lower decks was a pleasant surprise, as I said earlier. Uh, did the Hoshi and T'Pol, I guess the, not resentment from Hoshi towards T'Pol, but there was a little bit of animosity yeah. from Hoshi towards her early on. Did we think that was potentially a step backwards, though? Because I, um, I don't really recall there being anything recently that suggested that was still ongoing. They seem to be quite friendly. Sleeping dogs had happened at this point. They kind of made up in um, flight or uh, th- fight or flight. Sorry, um, I called it flight or fight earlier, didn't I? Fight or flight. So, yeah, what do you think? Um, I think I think it's just sort of sort of a step. I think really it was more Hoshi being, you know, upset that she couldn't get the translator working the way she wanted it to during the first contact, and that it was just sort of carrying over and kind of reverting a little bit back but then you know once everybody talked it out it was like okay let's go ahead and get this worked out together 
Yeah, words <laughs> then. Um, uh, sorry, mate. I completely lost my train of thought. Then. Let's go. Did this episode make you want to play water polo? Um, it made me want to at least watch it, <laughs> just to kind of <laughs> kind of see. So, is it even a big sport? Is it an American thing, water polo? Um, I I do believe so, but it's 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 really niche, like more you know your your upper middle class uh, type families are more the ones that get involved with it. Yeah, I've never, um, like I said, I've never heard of it before, Enterprise, and this is the, uh, I've never even seen it afterwards, I've never seen any real mention yeah. of it. I mean, it looks like an intense sport, mm-hmm. though. Like, I can't imagine the the body, the upper body strength you must have to to do that is incredible. I can't even, Jesus, I can't, <laughs> I can barely even swim these days. I don't know how I'd, uh, <laughs> I want to be able to play water polo. My son liked the look of it, though, yeah. so I'm no doubt he's going to telling me he wants to do that so add it onto the list of things uh, that he's been inspired by from stuff he's seen on tv uh, so as a as the, as a whole of the episode all the lovely scenes we spoke about the character interaction and the flocks and read bits i mean what what were your like your three favorite moments oh um you know de- definitely uh trip and archer you know bo- bonding over sports like like they were at a bar back on earth um, Travis really, you know, you know, stepping in and and proving that if need be, he could take over. You know, granted, you know, a lot of people would have to be absorbed into Slimer before that happened, but he could do it if need to. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, just just uh, how Flox was, you know, dead set on in in his ethics to you know be like, hey, no, you just kind of want to see how much you can hurt it. So here I can I can just easily take these readings and let you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that scene is one of my favorite moments um, with Flocks and Reed. I, I I also love the Trip and Archer moments mm-hmm. where they're wa- watching the water polo, specifically the one where Archer questions whether whether he's Trip seen has it. Yeah, watched the result. Yeah, and uh, I quite liked. I quite liked everything with Reed actually in this bit, but the movie night bit when he's eating the popcorn, he's like, "You promised me explosions," <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. I just thought, I thought this was a really good Reed episode. And as I said earlier, it's kind of like a Hoshian Reed episode. Above anyway, it is an ensemble, but it you don't realize till the end just how much Reed and Hoshi had to do. Yeah, and I think you forget about it. Reed's part in it, but I really, I really thought this was a good Reed episode. And I thought Dominic. Keaton was just really good here, um, as the cast always were. Actually, to be fair, I mean, uh, so as a whole, then you enjoyed the episode. You could watch it again, right now. I mean, what else would you like to say about Voxola? What would you uh, like to say to Greg? Um, oh, actually, no. Here's a question for okay. you, based on what Greg said. I meant to ask this so <laughs> earlier. Sorry, Devil in the Dark. Yeah. Uh, the episode that greg mentioned and spoke earlier i mean do you see that as a good uh, a good comparison then for this uh, episode definitely so and for for my my we we have actually talked about devil in the dark on the voyages Mm. so uh i think that was like our second episode yes that was when i was gonna i was thinking i think i'd message you saying i'm gonna have to check out from listen every week because i'm watching these episodes for the first time in years now yeah. so i don't want spoilers but i remember i did listen to it anyway uh yeah so greg if you haven't listened already uh, chris has spoken about it but yeah carry on chris sorry yeah. and the i guess there is a similarity in the plot yeah i'm gonna say yeah because we we see something that's you know protecting in devil in the dark we see something or you know see the horror mother horror protecting her young um which you could say is kind of kind of the s- similar way that slimer is you know just trying to trying to get home it's not that he's doing it out of malice. It's more that they're just trying to protect themselves. And almost that Slimer is the young. Yeah. In this one, though, but almost flipped around because I get the feeling that Slimer is young and is um, nervous and a rookie. And I don't know, all these things. It's kind of like, you know, how did Slimer get its, itself in that situation anyway? Probably through youthful um, stupidness yeah. and watching this small little creature join the massive 
the massive one across the planet uh, made me just think it was it was a young a young creature trying to get home a child trying to get home i guess um can you think of any trek episodes off the top of your head that are similar in theme to to this one and devil in the in the dark trying to think so i'm thinking this yeah i'm thinking there's got to be some out there yeah because but... um, it's like 700 episodes but well, i can't think of any of my with, with ripper in in season one of discovery mm, yeah yeah um yeah. you know thinking you know it's this this big bag badass war machine when really it's just you know a tie, uh, a cuddly thing that you know doesn't want to be hurt and is just trying to protect itself actually that's a perfect example actually yeah i mean if you remember ripper was behaving the way uh, that it was behaving because it had been, as far as it was concerned, getting tortured and and uh, and things like that. So, and then we realised, yeah, it was it was a little cuddly water bear, and uh, and as we see in um, in short tracks, mm-hmm. it would soon be having children. Yeah. It? <laughs> after I assume it happened after after discovery. I need to uh, I'd love to know the the order of. Yeah, it must have happened after. Because of all the Kirk yeah. scenes and stuff in there, and it's moving forward in time, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, good. There we are. We've got a modern, another modern track example, and to to go along with it. So, we've got Devil in the Dark, we have uh, Vox Sola, and we have the the Ripper storyline across the episodes three, four, and five of Discovery, season one, uh, which all sort of deal with similar similar sort of misan- misunderstanding yeah. alien creatures. Brilliant. And I guess that's when tracks doing some of its best stuff as well when it flips you know it just uh, challenges your expectations yeah. halfway in or even right at the end and just makes you realize oh i never judge a book by its cover no. man that's what they say that's what they say okay uh any final comments you'd like to make on vox um i can say it was uh directed by uh roxanne dawson uh what what yes, if her I... what if her first I, I think one of her first times here on enterprise doing one yeah, she'd done the Andorian incident before. I know that much. Um, and and uh, the English translation from Latin for uh, Fox Sola is the only voice. Oh, oh, that's very cute. I like that. Who was it written by, Chris? You got that in front of you? Let me. It was. Uh, the teleplay was by uh, Fred Decker. Uh, the story was by Berman Braga and Decker. Yeah, it's quite common on Enterprise that, uh, particularly the first couple of seasons, um, Berman and Braga wrote a lot of the episodes, and the ones they didn't, they normally had the story credit yeah. on. Um, so this was a yeah, this was a particular highlight of the season. So um, and of the show as a whole. Uh, next week we have our second and final um, patrons' choice for the time the being. Period <laughs> for the time being, that will there'll be much more. As we've gone as well, but this is our Christmas treat for everyone. And we are doing an audio commentary of Carbon Creek from season two. So this was the uh, the request. We gave our patrons the choice of like a full review or uh, or a audio commentary. So we're doing as we've been asked, as instructed. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Carbon Creek is a another another gem um, in the show. So this is going to be great fun to to watch that with you Chris yeah. um, do you know I, there's only two people I really watch Star Trek with now <laughs> me and Harrison in my life and there's you yeah <laughs> well Kate Kate okay. as well actually so we get three Katie's in there as well uh, so yeah looking forward to that yeah. one um, we'll be back we'll be back next week guys and for uh, myself and Chris for if you are celebrating Christmas um, this year then you know I wish you all the absolute best it's a weird mm-hmm. Christmas for a lot of us because of covid19 and we can't all be with our families so um if you are uh alone over christmas please just pick up the phone and, and ring a family member get hold of us you know yeah. send us a message i, I might you'll get, get our details at the end of the episode on social media but you know get in touch and we hopefully we can um chat to you and and help Help you feel less lonely over Christmas. And if you are with families, have fun. I hope you don't kill each other, uh, which is often the joke yeah. about Christmas. And um, and I guess I guess that's it. Um, be safe. Mm-hmm. Don't drink and drive. Wear a damn mask. 
wear a mask. I've got Christmas themed oh, masks nice. actually. Oh, nice. I need to get I need to get a uh, uh, Christmas vacation one because I've already got a Christmas vacation sock hat. So <laughs> <laughs> get on it. Got time. We've got time. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week's same time, same place. Bye-bye. Bye. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by Chris Hill and myself, Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow NX01Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find Chris Hill on Twitter at the Chris Hill and myself on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Holosuit Media Community Discussion Group, simply type The Nexus into the Facebook search bar and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. It's too much effort and I'm busy. I gotta get this done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had stuff to do. He had logs to plant. He had a ship to take over. He had an entire plot to uh, to fill out and make everyone think that he needed to have a trial for mutiny <laughs> because that will distract everyone long enough for them to get to Talispore. He's busier than Prince Humperdinck. Loading Hollowsweet Preview Program for Starpod Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. So we're seeing that the early Star Trek conventions were were a nice balance between science fiction and real world science, and that was cool because that, because a lot of uh, Star Trek fans are interested in science, and a lot of, and I mean all of those um, science guests that were there probably were Star Trek fans, and and they they probably even said that that they got into to science because of their love of Star Trek. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for the Vedic Assembly. A Deep Space Nine podcast. We don't know what that Cardassian technology is, but it could, yeah. Do we need to know? No, nah. we don't need to okay, know. Just some bit know. of self-stealing, self-sealing stem bolts. Yes, it wants those self-sealing stem bolts. And <laughs> Somebody wants them. <laughs> because self-sealing, you guys. Yes. I mean, it's not just a regular stem bolt. <laughs> I don't know why you don't get why these are so valuable. Okay. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.